Time Nor Time Nor The Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the vibrant Matt. Hello there. So, uh, we're rattling towards the end of the series now, oh. series five. Um, and this week we are discussing the tenth episode, Vincent and the Doctor. Yes. So, going into this episode, did you have any clue as to who the Vincent might be? Uh, yeah, I think we saw him on the trailer you showed me. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. So, you, you, you were never uh, sort of in any doubt as to... Like, there aren't that many famous Vincents, to be fair. Right? No, no, but that did worry me, because I hate historical episodes. Yeah, you've not been a fan of them generally, and particularly the sort of... The celebrity historical one. Yeah. Like, like Shakespeare or Dickens or... That said, yeah. I know I said it last week. Yeah, this is my favourite episode of this series. Is it? Yeah, mm. by quite a distance, I would say. Yeah. It's a bloody good one. It is. It's strong stuff. And I would say the bit I like least is just all the Doctor Who crap. <laughs> yeah, in some ways it's kind of an atypical episode. In some ways, it's a very, very Doctor Who by numbers episode. It's yeah. it's interesting. It's kind of a bit of both. Did you spot who wrote it? Richard Curtis. Yeah. Of just comedy. Yeah. Comedy and, and like, like schmaltzy films. Yeah. So, like, obviously, like, Love Actually, Four mm. Weddings. Yeah. This is, is not a funny episode. It has its moments. But... But it's, it's tackling if, if, some If you told stuff. me Richard Curtis had written an episode... Especially if it was a... Yeah, if it was a historical episode, you'd be thinking, well, this man wrote Blackadder. Yeah. It's going to be knockabout silliness. Yeah. But, but it's no. not. It's not. And I don't think I've written the guy's name down. The guy that plays Vincent van Gogh, uh, he deserves a big old pat on the back. Tony Curran. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. outstanding. He's incredible. I, I wonder if he was not. He should have been nominated for some awards for it, but I don't know whether he was. I'm just having a little scroll through the wiki. Awards and nominations. Uh, this episode was nominated for the Bradbury Award for Outstanding Dramatic Presentation uh, in the Nebula Awards. 2011 Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation. Lost both of those, but it got, at least got the nomination. In Canada's Constellation Awards, Curran was nominated for Best Actor, Curtis Best Actor. Curran came in sixth with 10% of the votes. Right, well, he was, That's ro- pathetic, he was robbed. He should have won a flipping BAFTA. Yeah. It's, no, it's an amazing performance. He's really, really good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. And everything sort of hinges on him. The Doctor isn't the main character no, today, not. is he? No. And, and Smith and Gillen, I think, are both... Excellent. In the, in the, you know, they're leads in this series, and yes, at the end of the day, they're playing the they're given playing the lines they're given. But the way that they play them, you can feel they're taking a step back and letting Tony Curran give the performance he needs to give. Mm. And uh, so, again, I think they they they're, they're making a really good duo in in that they're letting the episodes do whatever they're going to do and be whatever mm. they're going to be, and they're not trying to like take centre stage. I think if you like it would be jarring, obviously, because it's a completely different era. But like, if you had, say, a Tom Baker Doctor, where he has to be the centre of whatever scene he's in, it's, it wouldn't work. Um, so yeah, it's a beloved episode, this one, and rightly so. I don't think it's perfect. 
I think it, there there are some niggles which we'll get to, mm. um, but basically any criticism I can level at it kind of melts away in the face of everything that is great about it. Like I will forgive it the one or two things that irk me about it in in the face of all the the good stuff with it. So. Um, yeah, I'm glad we're both on the same page. Should mm. we just get cracking with this one? Right. So, from the 5th of June, 2010. Yeah. And we begin with a wheat field. Although there seems to be something unseen moving through it. Mm-hmm. As Van Gogh... I never know how to pronounce it. Van Gogh? Van Gogh, I think they do in this episode. and But I'm also happy to okay. stick with that. So he's painting the field. Yeah. We then cut straight away to Bill Nye. Yeah. Who's working in an art gallery, talking about paintings. His name is Dr. Black. Yeah. And Amy says to the Doctor, why have you brought me here? And I thought, is it a little bit of guilt? Because of the whole Rory situation? They're yeah. just sort of doing whatever she think, wants. Yeah, yeah. I think that's very much it. Yeah. And as they're looking at the paintings, I, I don't know enough about Van Gogh to know yeah. whether this is a famous painting mm-hmm. of the church. Um, but they spy a little face in the window. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I'm not a massive. Well, I think Van Gogh's fine, but I don't, I'm not a scholar. Um, I don't. Not really familiar with that painting outside of this episode. I'm sure it's a genuine. I don't think they they fabricate any mm. like wholesale. And I I get the feeling that I don't know for a fact, but Richard Curtis probably was just wandering around the Musée d'Orsay looking at these paintings and, and maybe got, that's where he took his inspiration for this story from um, so the Doctor asks Doctor Black yeah. for a date tries to get a rough estimation <laughs> and then just goes to, to see him yeah, yeah. Can we, let's not gloss over the fact that it's Bill fucking Nye yeah <laughs> yeah uh, I, uh, I, 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 a long while ago, when we were talking about guest stars, I said there are some guest stars coming up where you'd be like, I can't believe they got them for that. Yeah. This is very much one of them. But I suppose um, it's Richard Curtis. Yeah, They've worked the together a lot. That's gonna show. I think if it wasn't penned by Richard Curtis, there is no chance Bill Nye would have been coming in to do mm. that. Uh, and it's interesting because it, again, it's one of those it's one of those actors that would be on shortlists of like potential doctors. Mm. Um, I would hate a Bill Nye doctor. I don't think it would work. But he's of that kind of like national treasure type stature as an actor that they inevitably end up on those kinds of lists. Mm. Um, But If you were casting the next Doctor, who are you going for right now? I'd want to go for a relative unknown. Okay. Is the thing. So I couldn't couldn't give you a name. Um, But I... It's it, it's a tricky one. Um, yeah, no, like no kind of big name springs to mind, and that's because I wouldn't want it to be a big name. I don't think I the ones that I particularly want to avoid. I hate when they go with like com- when people start speculating about like, having comedians. Like, you know, yeah, Richard, Ed, Richard Eddie Izzard was speculating. Yeah, for a long time. Richard Ayoade is one that a lot mm. of fans always talk about. Oh, and one that, that was discussed before J.D. Whittaker was announced, Hayley Atwell was okay. mentioned. I could definitely, I could get on board with a Hayley Atwell Doctor. Though that would be weird for me because I've never fancied the Doctor before. So that would be a first for me. It's because it's always been a man. That's, that's 
fine thing to say. I mean, well, it hasn't because, you know, Jodie Whittaker, but, like, mm. very much not my type. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I think I'd go for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. That like interesting. <laughs> in his usual like action star role. Yeah. So just like have a gun, motherfucker. Yeah. And, you know, booting just, the doors open. Yeah. And all of a sudden the yeah, Tardis has got like fire yeah. painted just on it. Ripping Daleks apart with his bare yeah. hands. Yeah. <laughs> the man can do anything. The man can do no wrong in my eyes. So I'm petitioning it for Dwayne the Doc Johnson. I'm gonna put Amazing. I'm going to sell that to the sun. Fantastic. Right, well, anyway, yeah, so Bill Nye yeah. uh, gives them a date, and the TARDIS is in reliable mood. Yeah. Throughout this episode, in fact. There's a lot of hopping back and forth, and it does it very reliably. Yeah, it's convenient, so, that, isn't it? It is, isn't it? <laughs> so, using Amy's guide from the gallery, yeah. they know the cafe they're looking for. Yes. Again, I don't know if that's a famous that's a, That is a really famous one, right. which is why they, they put the effort into like building a set to uh, and lighting it perfectly mm. to, you know, mimic it. Like, I think you get that shot, don't you, with like they're holding up the image in the brochure and then they just mm. pop it down and there it is in reality. Yeah. And... Everyone hates Van Gogh when they get there. Yeah. He never seems to pay for his drinks. Yeah. He offers to pay in paintings, and everyone's just like, he's like the town fool, isn't he? Yeah, it? yeah, because no, because he he is one of the archetypal, unappreciated in his time mm. geniuses. Yeah. So the doctor offers to pay for his drinks, mm. and Van Gogh thinks his own work is crap. So he, yeah. he even offers the doctor one yeah. of his paintings and goes, but you probably don't want it. Yeah, and like, so he kind of rebuffs it, and to the point that, like, to, in order to dispel the situation, Amy just says, right, to, to the, like, the, the bar owner, like, I would like to buy a bottle of wine, and I shall drink it with whoever I choose. And, like, you can tell that is the exact moment in which Van Gogh becomes immediately smitten with Amy. Now, I like the part where Van Gogh, because the actor speaks with a thick Scottish accent, so yes. does Amy. Yeah. So he just goes, oh, are you Dutch like me? Yeah. As if, like, the Scottish <laughs> accent, suddenly the Dutch accent. Yeah, and that went, that's a really nice little workaround. They, he did say, um, in an interview, I heard an interview with Tony Cohen talking about uh, playing this part, he said, in, like, the, the first read-through, he sort of said, should, should I try this with a Dutch accent? They got through a couple of things, they were just like, no, no, no. Yeah. Let's just use your normal speaking voice. So definitely the right choice. So, they're about to have the drink, but someone interrupts to report a murder. Yeah. Sadly, it's a child. Yeah. And apparently, it was caused by Van Gogh's madness. Yeah. They all just blame him. Yeah. But, I de- you know, that feels... That rings true in that age of, like, mostly just mm. superstition. Like, now, I, if you've got a scapegoat, scape away. We, we may as well address this because yeah. it's like an overarching like theme of the yeah. episode I don't know enough about Van Gogh I know obviously that he took his own life yes but was his mental health issues well documented reasonably because you know he saw various physicians and doctors and things mm. and, and and you know you know I don't there, want, there, I don't are, want... there are enough scholars out there that I feel, I feel like I feel like Richard Curtis has done his homework for this yeah 
Like, uh, I don't think they ever put a label on it, but no. he struggles quite heavily with depression. Yes. There's elements of, like, psychoticism. Yeah, he sees things that other people can't. Yeah, it may be synesthesia, yeah. which, you know, if, um, if misunderstood, can be quite a disorienting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, there's a lot of. Th- are you familiar with synesthesia? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the for listeners in, in not wanting to talk down to anybody, in case you're not familiar with the concept of synesthesia, it's where your senses are kind of linked. So maybe you, and that can, it can manifest in all kinds of ways. So like, you know, some people will hear colours or yeah. see sounds or, um, and you get the sense that you know. And there's a beautiful scene later on, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of addresses that. Yeah, potentially bipolar. I think the thing is, it's it's at the end of the day, scholars of Van Gogh and his his work and his life, they are trying to diagnose a mental illness hundreds of years after mm. the fact. And so you're I, never going to be able to to say I, definitively. I sort of acknowledged it last week where they discuss issues linked to dyslexia. Yeah, and it's really ham fisted. They just yeah. go. Oh, I'm not very good at reading. I love yeah. audio books. Yeah. And then bit, they go, well, don't yeah. worry. It's not that bad. Yeah. Whereas here, it is perfectly addressed. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, a bit of honesty here, I have had my own struggles with mm, depression myself over the too. years. Yeah. And some, one scene in particular, later on, every time it just hits me like yeah. a... There's sack of bricks. Well, I, I think everybody has their struggles. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, whether it be... We're getting really deep here, aren't we? Well, it's Normally it's we the... talk about a robotic dog <laughs> stuck in a black hole. <laughs> Last week but... it, was a, it was a cup of tea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pissing the bed. But, you know, I, I think everyone can feel the same way that yeah. Van Gogh feels at times in absolutely. this episode. Yeah. You know, it's really easy to sympathise with him. Yeah. And... At the risk of speaking out of turn, as a man, mm. seeing another man in such a vulnerable state, yeah, you know, I, I, although we live in 2019, I think men probably could speak more about their own problems. Absolutely, they, we know? absolutely should, and it's it's one nice thing that we're only now, I feel like, in the last couple of years, really beginning to see major pushback on this kind of toxic masculinity notion of manliness is is bottling up your emotions. I mean, one charity, one group I would definitely advocate for uh, myself and some colleagues raised some money for them is Calm. I don't know if you know Calm. Campaign Against Living Miserably. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to put any other label on it than I'm miserable, I'm unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting really deep here. Should we talk about pissing the bed again. <laughs> I don't no, think we've ever good. been that sensible for no, that one. but it's good and, and I think this is this is the episode in which we wish to, to tackle it yeah. head on really yeah. isn't it so it's, it's great that we now have nestled in this wonderful whimsical strange show we've got this episode that will forever be sat there as a prompt for these kinds of discussions yes Definitely. Um, so, yeah, great contribution. It's, it's, no, spoiler, it's, it's, it, this is Richard Curtis's only contribution to Doctor Who. Is it? Never written well, he, he series, does a good job. Yeah, so he, just, like, he, just, he, he strolls up, pops an absolute blinder on the table and says, there you go. How, how was this episode developed? Did they approach Curtis and say, we want a Van Gogh episode? Did they approach him and say, choose 
an idea and we'll I'm work with it. Not sure. Did um, he come to them and say, "I've got this idea"? Yeah. It because it it seems to me like someone yeah. somewhere has had this idea, whether it includes Doctor Who or not, yeah. to make a show about Van Gogh and his struggles. I'm just having a quick scan of Wikipedia. So obviously, Richard Curtis is very involved in comic relief. Yeah. You know, it was kind of his baby. Uh, there was a comic relief um, spoof, like a 25-minute uh, spoof of Doctor Who, which I've actually penciled in. Is that in the Ron Atkinson? Yes, yeah, which we are, we're going to watch eventually, because okay. I've never seen it, and I'm actually saving it as a right. special treat for when we eventually come to it in our, on this show. Um, but Stephen Moffat was the writer okay. for that, and through... Uh, so that's how Rich Curtis got to know Stephen Moffat, and then when Stephen Moffat became showrunner... He sort of casually asked Richard Curtis, hey, would you like to write a Doctor Who? And then Curtis came to him with this idea. That's right. what Wikipedia is telling me anyway. Right. So, so anyway, um, back to the episode in hand. So we have the whole scene of the cafe. Yeah. Um, that's how, you know, so uh, like they to say, up. The people of the town have blamed Van Gogh and his health yeah. for this murder. But we see something lurking in the darkness. Yeah. Okay. So at this point, the Doctor, Amy and Van Gogh go to Van Gogh's house. Yeah. And we get a nice sort of introduction to him and his work and yeah. how he operates. Yeah. And as they're talking, the Doctor and Vincent notice Amy is missing. We hear her scream and Van Gogh can see a monster nobody else can. Yeah. So I've put that they fight for a bit, but is that doing Matt Smith's performance here a bit of a disservice? <laughs> so Van yeah. Gogh is fighting it. Does he have like a... I think it's a pitchfork. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the Doctor's just waving around a broom handle because <laughs> yeah. he obviously can't see the beast. Yeah, just flailing hopelessly. And once they've maimed it enough yeah. that it leaves, Van Gogh draws the monster. Yeah, and I love the detail because obviously... He doesn't. He doesn't value his own art because nobody else seems to. So he's like, "Oh, I'll draw it for you." He's looking around for something to draw, uh, and so he just grabs a canvas with a beautiful picture on it, whacks a load of white paint over it to freshen the canvas, and then starts sketching with some charcoal. So, uh, should we describe the beast? Big space chicken. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I don't think we need to say more than that. Yeah, either. I think in sort of fantasy parlance, it'd be known as a cockatrice. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it is quite literally just a monster chicken. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, the Doctor goes to investigate and plugs a gadget into the TARDIS. It's almost like a scanner. It scans yeah. him first. Yeah. And we get some pictures of the old Doctors. Yeah. It says, you know, I'm the Doctor from Gallifrey. And I think we see the first and second Doctor. Yeah. Um, and he comments that, like, Van Gogh's his drawing's pretty good, but... You know, I think, is he an impressionist? He's like, yeah, oh, why can't he be more yeah. accurate? Yes, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I love this gadget. So so this is, a, it was, he said it was like a a, a, uh, a birthday present from an aunt or something yeah. that he always thought was a bit useless. So to describe it, it's got like a sort of main sort of computery body bit. But then, one second, it's, it's just a, a car mirror. It's just a car mirror, yeah. <laughs> it's just sort of like on a little handle. and But it's got like straps so he can strap it to his body. Yeah. So he goes for a little walkabout with it. And, and the 
monster yeah. gives chase yes. at this point. So, to be, to be clear, he's shown him the picture of the, the, the Van Gogh drew, and it's not done anything. And then it sort of pings and goes, uh, and you know, some ten minutes later, he's like, ah, oh, I got there in the end. What's actually happened is it that it's it seen the actual monster, yeah. unbeknownst to the Doctor. So, yeah. the monster chases the Doctor. He eventually runs into Amy. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I think they go back to Van Gogh's house. Yeah. And the next morning, Van Gogh wakes up, opens his window, and Amy's brought him loads of sunflowers. <laughs> yeah. So, she's trying to inspire that piece of work. Yeah. And the Doctor favorite. shows Van Gogh the monster, and we find out it's called a Crefeus. Yeah. Okay. And the Doctor says, look, we can't pin it down. You need to go paint the church. That's when it's going to turn up. Yeah. He says, basically, the only time we know it's going to be there is when you paint the church, so you need to go paint the church. And we get the little bit of uh, the what little exposition we need about the Crefeus that they hunt in packs... Occasionally one will get split off from the pack and they'll just abandon it. You know, that's their way. They're quite a cruel species. Yeah. So so they're going to go paint the church. Yes. But Van Gogh has like a little meltdown. Yeah. Shouts at the doctor. It's a bit of an episode. Basically, he's just sort of like, you know, lying on his bed. He's, he's sort of complaining that like, you're going to leave. Everybody leaves, mm. you know, and... He's just he's just in one of those pits that you can get into where you can't see the light. Yeah, you know you can only see the darkness. And it and it, and again, like Tony Curran's performance. Oh my god, the way he's just they the doctor just has to. He, there's nothing he can do to fix this situation. He just has to back out and leave this poor man in the fetal position. Yeah, on his bed. Yeah. So the doctor sort so, of takes Amy to one yeah. side and says, "Look, we need to leave." Like yeah. the is beyond our help yes. at this point. Yeah. So we're just she, gonna have to try and do this without him, basically. Yeah. yeah. So she says, Well, we need to go to the church. Yeah. But then as they're just about to leave, Van Gogh reappears and he's a bit like Dirty Harry. Yeah. So he's got a long coat, uh-huh. which is like almost like a Western coat. <laughs> and he's got his straw hat, which is like your traditional cowboy hat. And he's gone from being in this absolute pit. Yeah. To just being 100% steaming badass. Yeah, yeah. So, he even, like, draws a paintbrush like a pistol, yeah. I think, at yeah. one point. <laughs> yeah, so he's just, he's just yeah, the pendulum swung the other way, and he's so, ready to paint. So, when he's painting, he says to Amy, look, I can see the sadness within you. Yeah. And she says, well, I'm, I'm not sad. So he must be able to see the Rory conundrum. Well, yeah, well, he says, well, if, why are you crying then? And like, yeah. Amy hasn't really, she's actually got like a tear rolling down her face. So, like, there is obviously some very deep, deep within her psyche, there is this loss yeah. that her consciousness isn't actually aware of. So, yeah. just to make Van Gogh feel better, the funeral procession for the little girl that he got <laughs> blamed for passes. Yeah. And... They eventually reach the church and he begins to paint. Yeah. And the doctor gets incredibly bored. I love this moment. Yeah. Yeah. And so we basically, we, because he's, he's just waiting for the creature to appear in the mirror because only Van Gogh can see. Yeah. And, you know, we know that he'll paint it. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's just waiting 
for, and like he has that great line where he's like, "Is this how time normally passes? Yeah. Really slowly and in the right in order." order. <laughs> okay, so at this point, the monster appears in the church. Yeah, the doctor goes in. He leaves only the instruction: "Do not follow me into the church." Yeah, Van Gogh says, oh, "Are you going to follow him?" And she goes, "Yeah, of course." Yeah. So they all go into the church to fight the monster. Yeah. And the Doctor begins tracking its movement. Yes. I think, is it at this point him and Amy get shut in, like, the confession booth? Yes. Again. Yeah, of course. Because, if I mean, if you're going to have a sort of actually scene in a, um, in a Catholic church, you've got to have someone cornered in a confession booth at some point. Yeah. Got to be done. Um, so he notices it's attacking... But it never kills its prey. Mm. If you think about the little girl. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Is it that it never kills or never eats? Yeah, it kills, but yeah, but never, yeah, yeah will never eat its, its um, prey. So and it's... he's trying to work out why it was left behind. Yeah. And it turns out it's blind. Yeah, because it because um, the, the, Van Gogh says it's just kind of like stalking round the walls. Yeah, it's yeah. circling the room, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. Um, so once they know it's blind. They know they have free reign to attack it. So Van Gogh yeah. pierces it in the head with an easel. Yeah. Like he doesn't need, like he said he's, he wasn't trying to kill it. He was no, just trying he's to fending it off it. and yeah. it just goes so terribly wrong. Yeah. And it's, and it's so sad because it, like up at this point it's been a horrible monster. We learn of its disability and how that kind of just that, that's the missing jigsaw piece that explains all of the bad things it's done. Mm. And then it immediately, you know, is killed in 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 this struggle. And the doctor sums it up perfectly in that moment. He says, "Sometimes winning doesn't feel like winning at all." Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful line. Um, and let's. I mean, this is a good moment. I think talk about some of the themes that we've got. Like the Crafeus. Yeah, on the one hand, there's invisible space chicken. Done. Yeah. But thematically it is in, in itself it is an invisible problem it's a problem that other people cannot see mm. you know like for example mental health problems you know mm. you can to the naked eye to your friends you can appear to be your normal self but deep down there is something that you're aware of that nobody else is aware of that isn't right so it works on that level the the Grafeus in itself, you know, it's lashing out and seeming violent and, and, and you know, has displaying problematic behaviour, but that is in itself rooted in a disability that others can't perceive. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of layers and layers of... Yeah. Uh, it, it's wonderful writing. Here's a question. How did they get the Grafeus out the church? <laughs> I never thought about that <laughs> because it's they, good. you have a few well, options. Must have gotten in somehow. You have a few so, options. Yeah. You either move it yourself. Yeah. But then when you, where are you going to put it? Yeah. You leave it. Yeah. But then people are going to be bumping into it. <laughs> or you ask other people to move it, but they can't see it. Yeah. I I think they must have had to have drug it out and given it like a proper burial, but like that would have taken a long time to dig that. Yeah. Guy. Wow. I mean, maybe the doctor's got a gadget for it. It's like winning's no fun at all. Yeah. Now we've got to go dig a massive grave and bury our victim. <laughs> yeah. Man. 
Yeah, never thought about that. Yeah. You always rely on you to come up with a question. Actually, I've when never... you think about it, like, what about the Lazarus Project? How did they get him out of the church? <laughs> oh, didn't he revert back to human form in the end? Oh, yeah, they he did, because they found him end. on the floor. Yeah. Like, we never really think about this, do we? No. Anyway, um, so this brings me to my first major criticism of this episode. Mm-hmm. The story's basically finished, and we've got another 15 minutes left. Yeah. We ha- the the extended coda that is the last third of this episode is really really beautiful, mm. and I wouldn't want to change a line of it. But I feel like the main plot is rushed in order to leave space for it. Yeah, you I could I see mean? that. Yeah, and I, I it, kind of feel like I just you know, wish they I feel maybe like giving it an hour. Yeah, I feel like even though there's the twist that the the Crefeus is blind. Yeah. I feel like normally either that would be the big revelation, yeah, or there'd be another revelation. Yes, there'd be a, a Whereas further, here, it's just like it's blind. We've killed it. Let's get it buried. Yeah, exactly. I feel like they, they have. They just they rush to wrap that up so that they've got time to do everything else yeah. that this episode does. It's not the even. I mean, in terms of when they fight the Crafeas, there'd normally be a huge chase. Yeah, there'd normally be some level of peril to the Doctor. Yeah. They may be but you never sense that they're in any real danger. Yeah, yeah. So, so like I say, the Crefeus it works really well as a metaphor in this episode, and it's it's I, I really like that plot, mm. but it just feels a little rushed. What would you do to get it out of the church? <laughs> We're still going to be talking about this weeks from now, aren't we? Yeah. Um, like get some logs like roll it on logs like isn't that like how they did Stonehenge yeah I think I'd just leave it <laughs> well for people to trip over yeah I mean we discussed it in the car on the way here I'm planning yeah. on going to church Christmas Eve yeah imagine if there was like a whole area of the church no one could sit in and you didn't really know why and it's because there was a massive chicken <laughs> <laughs> oh no maybe uh, stick some antlers on it put it in the nativity <laughs> No, nothing had antlers in the nativity, did they? I no, put some donkey really. ears in it. Yeah. Put it in the manger. <laughs> you have to have a fucking big manger. Yeah, but no one can <laughs> criticise it because it's baby Jesus. Yeah. You what can't go, oh, what, what an ugly baby. Yeah. That's our Lord and Saviour <laughs> he's speaking about there. Anyway. Right, so. After that, I'm assuming once they've buried it. Yeah. Uh, they are saying their farewells and they're laying on the floor together just looking at the sky yeah and this is a beautiful little yeah scene. this is where it gets deep isn't it yeah because Van Gogh so the doctor's looking at the sky how he always looks at it almost yeah. like looking at a map yeah and Van Gogh says oh, I just wish you could see what I see yeah and he holds hands they sort of all hold hands and you see the starry night yeah as Van Gogh yeah. sees the star and, and it's beautiful animation that sort of mm. slowly forms until it becomes that iconic painting. Yeah, because I think he says, doesn't it, to most people, it's a dark sky is black. Yeah. And he says, yeah. well, actually, it's deepest blue. blue You've got these speckles of yeah, light. Yeah, it's a beautiful little monologue. And the monologue paired with the animation, it's like, it's, you know, makes hairs on my neck stand. Mm. It's, it's, it's gorgeously done. Um, so we get that that's beautiful you can almost end the episode there yeah it but gets a bit like Lord of the Rings there's like four endings yeah. to this episode and they're all lovely yeah, <laughs> yeah. so the next day yeah. they sort of say their goodbyes 
And the doctor looks at Amy, and Amy looks at the doctor as if to say, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Yeah. He says, oh, just come here, Vincent, we've got something to show you. Yeah. And puts him in the TARDIS, takes him forward in time to see his own paintings. And this is the bit where I got got. Yeah. This is the bit where he realises, because he thinks he's worthless. Yeah. And they say, oh, uh, Dr. Black, like, what contribution do you think Van Gogh had to art? Yeah. And and this he, is where you realise why they asked Bill Nye. Yeah. You know, he says, he's not just the most important, influential man in art. He was like, I think he might be the greatest man that's ever lived. Yeah. And Van Gogh's, like, yeah. the portrayal just yeah. got me as it should. Yeah, you got the odd sweaty eyes. A little bit, yeah. 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 I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's like... And it's like we saw a version of this, not to the same extent, but I always really like, in in contrast, because it's quite underplayed, the moment at the end of Unquiet Dead, where Dickens turns to the Doctor and says, just tell me, Doctor, my books, do they last? Mm. And I I said at the end of that episode, and it it sticks with me, any of these episodes where they meet some famous artist or writer or whatever, as a creative person what you want more than anything else is for your work to still matter and have mm. impact when you're gone. Because it, it, it's the one thing you're leaving behind. And for him to know that even though in his own lifetime nobody gets what he's doing, there is now a whole museum dedicated to his work mm. and people... Oh, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. And yeah. yeah, and as, you know... And it is. He's, you can see he's he's overwhelmed by it. Yeah. Um, he thanks the doctor. Yeah. They have like a long embrace. Yeah. And they take him home. Yeah. Now the next bit, or the yeah. next ending. Yeah. Also got me a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah. because of their involvement, Amy thinks basically they've saved Van Gogh. Yes. Yeah. You know they think. She thinks, I'm going to go back, there's going to be new paintings. Yeah. He won't yeah. have killed himself, he'll have been alive for a lot longer. Yeah. And you can see on the Doctor's face, he's like, mm, yeah. that's not necessarily how this so, is going to go. So, they come back and nothing's changed. Yeah. Other than there's no longer a chicken in the picture. Yes. And Amy, again, another really good performance, yeah. just can't handle that. Yeah. And, and the Doctor gives her a little speech, which... You know, is one that the, the, the fandom at large still quotes because I think it's a beautiful thing, and it's you know I've re- re- reminded myself of it when I've been, you know, facing some difficult stuff. The doctor says that life is, you know, a pile of good things and bad things. Mm. You know, the ba- and, and the bad things don't. So I said, the good things don't always soften the bad things, or, uh, or you know, take them away. But likewise, the bad things don't spoil the good things mm. or make them unimportant. Um, what a beautiful, simple philosophy. Yeah. To live because I think he says at the end of the day, you've just got to hope for more good than bad. Yeah. More good things. Fewer yeah. Bad things. Yeah, that's the thing. Basically, you know, some you're not. You can't avoid the bad things. Yeah. But you can't let them define you. So, yeah. It, 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 yeah. Amazing. Crazy writing. So, the episode ends. 
Amy walks towards the painting of the sunflowers. Yeah. We've seen the significance there. Yeah. And now it just says, for Amy. Yeah. That's the one small change. Mm. That and the no chicken. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Would, would you rather have a Van Gogh piece dedicated yeah. to you or live safe in the knowledge that there's no such thing as giant chickens? <laughs> like, which of those... Which of those goes uh, in the good pile? <laughs> yeah, I, I'd definitely offer, uh, go for uh, No Giant Chickens, please. Yeah. Yeah. I can do without a, a, a dedicated painting to myself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and not wanting to be to end on a downer, but like my other criticism that I did want to mention, the other thing that does slightly hurt me with this episode is I could do without the pop song in that final, uh, in the, the, the scene where they're bringing him to the museum. Oh. There's like a cloying indie-ish... Yeah, and it's it, it's very Richard Curtis. Like yeah. it's what he does, and it's it's very like it's just on the nose. Here's how you're supposed to feel, and it's like you've got Murray Gold. He's a very good composer. Just let him do his thing. We don't need a warbly indie song. Mm. But it gets a bit like a John Lewis Christmas advert. Though. Yeah, yeah. I could I, I could have done without that, but you know, pile of good things, pile of bad things. The bad things don't necessarily spoil. No, no. Yeah, and, and that's you know this episode is overwhelmingly good things. Yeah. So, like I say, I think this is one of the best episodes we've seen. Yeah. Especially and I just, as, not just yeah. this series. I think I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, it's a it's an absolute cracker, and uh, yeah, a, uh, a, a yeah just a great addition to the sort of Doctor Who canon. Such as it is. Um, so what are we watching next week? It'll be something about like robot octopuses. Or <laughs> we'll be back to the old yeah, ways. Usual nonsense. Well, uh, maybe, maybe not. The next episode is called The Lodger. I'll let you ponder on that one. <laughs> I hope it's like an episode of Bread or something. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the one where it's a landlord? Uh, rising Damp. Rising Damp. I hope it's like <laughs> a, a rising damp. Oh, well, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. But actually, before we even uh, get to the lodger, um, there is a we want a little surprise coming up. Um, you may or may not be aware, listener, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, Christmas is just around the corner. Yeah, the goose is getting yeah. fat. Yeah, no Christmas special for Doctor Who this year. Again, second year in a row that Chris Chibnall's letting us down. Oh, Chibbers. Yeah, little Chibby Dibby's let us down. <laughs> he really is, and like even though we we technically. He's like saying, "Oh, New Year's special." It's just the first episode of the new series is dropping on Christmas uh, on New Year's Day, so I'll have some Doctor Who to look forward to over the Christmas period. But it's not a Christmas special, is it? But anyway, Chibnall's letting you down, but we're not, dear listener. No, it's time. Yeah, twenty sixth of December in your podcast feed, you will be getting a little Christmas surprise. Are we going to tell them what it is? Are we going to leave it wrapped up like a Christmas present? I think we have to. I think people could guess. If they want to watch ahead. Yeah. We're going to be discussing Canine and Company. It's time. (laughs) It's time. I mean, when I was first aware of it, we said, oh, we'll do that as a Christmas special. Yeah, we weren't joking. No, it's Christmas now. Yeah. So it'll be that special. Oh, well, we'll we'll have to wait and see, won't we? So I've seen the introduction and it's just them... It's canine sat on a stone, dry stone wall, <laughs> and Sarah Jane drinking, drinking wine. wine in a lay-by. <laughs> yeah. 
whilst the greatest theme tune ever recorded yeah. plays. I um, can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be good. Wait. It's going to be good. So, um, yeah, join us on Christmas Day or whenever you get around to it for that. And uh, then we'll be back on the regular uh, schedule for The Lodger. So, until then, thanks very much for listening. And cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.